right, guys. Well, welcome back to our final week of the series that we've been on called Relatable. My name is Pastor Caleb, and I am so glad that you guys have chosen to take out a little bit of part of your week and spend it with us. And for everybody that's watching online, man, we are so glad that you're with us as well. Well, we have been diving in the last few weeks, and we've been talking all about relationships and how to have the best kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. Having to have the best kind of relationships. And it's, yeah, how do we become more? How do we have become more better in our relationships? That's what we've been talking about. I'm just kind of improvising here because of what's on the screen. But uh, it's kind of fun when that backs up, right? Um, So, but we've been talking about how to have the best, most God-honoring relationships. And not just relationships like, you know, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear somebody say, we're going to talk about relationships, immediately I go to like marriage and dating, right? Those are the two most common. But if you think about it, the majority of our relationships come from people who we're not dating or we're not married to, or at least I hope so. Um, I hope you're married, you're not married to more than one person. But anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop that rabbit trail right now before it goes any further. But we've been talking about having, how to have the best, rel- they're like cracking up over here, red face. It's all right. It's all right. Me too. I feel you. But um, so we get back on track. Here we go. All right. So we've been talking about how to have the best relationships possible in all areas. And so if you haven't been here or, or you're just curious, I would encourage you to go back online and take a look at it. We've got a podcast. We've got a YouTube channel. It's really great. It's been super helpful for me to go back and, and listen to these. Um, it's just been really practical and helpful message. So today we are going to kind of wrap that all up. And if I could wrap up just kind of the main idea and the main thought of this in a couple of verses, it would be these. It would be Hebrews 4, chapter 22 through 24. It says this, Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and its corrupt, deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So in summary, Put off your old self and put on Christ. Man, that's been like, that's a great summary of the whole, uh, the whole series and relationships. You see, the key is pursuing Christ. At the very, very beginning, the very first message that Charles shared, he said, listen, your relationship with God directly affects your relationship with others. You see, if our relationship with God isn't right, isn't center, then that'll cause problems in all the rest of our relationships. And you might be thinking, well, okay, what about like if I don't know who God is or if I'm still pursuing or trying to find him or I'm not, I'm not a Christian or I'm not a believer. That's fine, but I, I, I just... I want to tell you that you have access, we have access, if you're following Christ, you have access to this amazing and this wonderful um, God who helps us and loves us, and because he loves us so much, we're able to impart that love on other people, and it just, it completely changes and transforms the way you interact with everybody. I've seen it happen so many times, I've seen it happen to my own family, and it's awesome. So, um, when I first moved to Arizona about, oh, I don't know, three-ish years ago, I think. I thought it was going to look like this, right? Desert, dunes, right? I didn't think it was going to look like it looks now. I know Charles and I kind of joke about that. We joke about it from time to time. But it's actually, it's 
gorgeous here, right? And it's so beautiful, and there's mountains, and there's palm trees, and oh my gosh, it's amazing. But it's also pretty dangerous. I remember um, I went hiking, and, and I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm very tactile, like to touch things and feel things. But I found out very quick that if you're hiking in Arizona, in the desert, you don't want to touch things. Because everything here is very angry, right? <laughs> It's very angry. I mean, it has to be in order to, like, live in 120-degree weather, right? I mean, you've got to be very rough and gruff. And so everything here is very angry. And, um, and so I also discovered that we've got a lot of really cool wildlife here that are in Arizona, right? We've got a lot of really fun things that live here. Um, my wife, uh, she has a saying that, like, everything evil starts with the letter S, right? You've got Satan, scorpion, snakes, right? I mean, spiders, that's exactly right. Sin, right? I mean, the list can go on and on. You get where I'm coming from, right? And so we've got a lot of fun things like that that live in Arizona, right? And so one of the things that people tell, started telling me that I needed to do is they're like, Caleb, you got to get a black light flashlight. And I was like, okay, how do I get a, why do I, would I need that, right? Because previous to living here, the only time I'd use a black light flashlight was to see how germy my hands were in third grade. You guys ever did that? Like you, you, you do the stuff on your hands and then you wash them and then you shine a black light on it and it sees how, you know, you can see how gross you are. Some people do it on your teeth, right? And so previous to that, I didn't know why I needed a black light flashlight. I was like, why are Arizonans so like obsessed with germs and getting rid of them? I don't understand it, right? I mean, I'm a clean person, but I didn't get where they were coming from. But actually what they told me was, look, if you go outside at night and you shine a black light flashlight around, scorpions will glow this bright neon color all right how many i don't know if you guys have ever done that before but it is creepy as all get out and i'm not even afraid of scorpions but you go and it's like you're like going it's like oh that's going all of a sudden boom it's like this neon glowy thing if you thought scorpions were scary before you ain't seen nothing like a scorpion under a black light it looks like something out of a movie or sci-fi movie or something Right? So it is crazy, but it's actually a really cool picture of what Christ begins to do with us. If we start pursuing Christ and we, our relationship with him um, uh, is right, then he starts doing the same thing in our lives. You see, he starts making us more like himself. Now, last week, um, we, we talked about toxic relationships, right? We talked about um, some things that stem from bitterness and, and, and how that leads to anger and wrath and malice and all these, all these awful things. Well, one of, the, one of the cool things about being a believer is that when you, um, when you become a believer, God wants you to be more like him. He wants you to become more Christ-like. He wants your relationships to work. And so what will happen is he'll start shining a black light on your life, and you'll start noticing problem areas, maybe that you didn't notice before, and they'll start glowing and shining. And, and he, didn't, he doesn't do that to try to make you feel bad or guilty about those things. What he does is he shines a problem area on your life, like, hey, look, um, in this relationship, you're maybe being a little bit selfish. Like, let me show you how to become less selfish and become more like me. And that relationship could be transformed. Or maybe you have, um, maybe you're doing, you're going along, you think, oh, I'm good. And maybe you see, oh, man, I'm, maybe I'm, struggle with anger and like I'm like the way that I am treating and talking to my wife and children maybe that's not super God honoring that's not the way that God would do it and so he shines um, a light on these problem areas and we begin to become more like Christ every single day and so when I say like our relationship with God is directly uh, affects our relationship with others that's what we're talking about he begins to shine a light on these areas and spotlight them and then we become more like Christ. 
And it's really, really cool. And so um, our, our verse, it, it talked about, Paul was saying, listen, put on the old, take off the old and put on the new. And in my mind, uh, I, I immediately went to like a coat or a jacket, right? And I don't know about you, I hope so. Judging from um, everybody sitting in here, I would say that you guys are, you do this the same that I do. But every single day, um, I wake up and I make a choice, right? I make a choice, I take off what I was sleeping in, and I put on my new clothes for the day. Sometimes they're not new right? Sometimes I wore them the day before, but they're like, you know, they're not those clothes that I slept in, right? And so every day I make a choice to take off my old stuff and put on the new. And that's exactly what Christ is, or Paul is talking about here. He's saying, listen, every single day we have a choice. Every single day when we wake up, we make the choice to either put on the world, put on the old self, the, the one that's selfish, the one that, that just kind of reacts and is not God-honoring and, and God-centric, or we can put on Christ. And we can choose to put on Christ and allow him to begin to transform us and transform every single relationship that we are in. And see, here's what happens when you choose the world. That's when hurt will begin to take place. And that's when our relationships will start to be affected negatively, right? And so, but when we choose to put on Christ, Man, that's when he begins to transform us and transform everyone around us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 32. Or you could just look up on the screen. That works too, um, because it's finally working. That's good. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and we're actually going to be reading into uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Check it out. Paul says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In these two verses, as Paul is wrapping up, you know, his, his thought in chapter 4 and going into to, to chapter 5. Actually, he didn't write in chapters, which is kind of, if you read the Bible, that's why it's important to, like, l- read the whole passage and not just, like, the chapters, right? But um, in this thought, he's finishing his thought. He's like, listen, like, we want to be imitators of God. And he pulls out two big words and two big thoughts in this verse. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they were love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. And these two things, um, I, I want to I present to you today, these two things are the most important things that you can have in order to make any and all relationships work. Love and forgiveness. And I would say that one of them is actually a little bit more important than the other one in relationships. Now, I want you to think about which one you think is more important, love or forgiveness. Think about it for a second. The answer actually might surprise you. How many of you guys think that love is more important? Raise your hand. Right? How many of you think that forgiveness is more important? Wow, you guys are actually tracking with me a lot better than I thought you would. That's exactly right. Well, because when I think of love, right, when, when, uh, when I think of the, the most important thing, I think of love, right? Because after all, God is love, right? That's who he is. And when, you know, when he gave, like, the two, back up for a second, when he was um, talking to the Pharisees and they asked him, they said, hey, what's the most important commandment? He said, actually, all ten commandments can be summed up into this 
word, love God. And the second is just as important of it as it love people. So God, Jesus himself said, listen, love God, love people. If you do that, you're good to go. And so in my mind, I was thinking, oh man, love has got to be the most number one important thing. Um, and, and, you know, I, love, I like love. I like the idea of love. So I would consider myself to be um, a, a romantic, right? I, I like spoiling my wife. I like writing her little love notes, right? And, and slipping it in her, her lunchbox. And, and I like this idea of being romantic and that love is the most important thing, right? Uh, but the word love in, in English is actually pretty, uh, not very descriptive. English is one of the most least descriptive words that we have out there in the world. In fact, the Greeks, they use three different words for our one word of love. They use, um, they use eros, which is uh, kind of like the love that we have for a spouse. It's where we get the word erotic from, right? They use phileo, which is uh, a brotherly type of love, what we feel for our brothers, our sisters, our family. And then they use a third word called agape, okay? And, and this idea of, of having three different kinds of loves was confusing to me at first because, you know, when I think of love, I think of a couple of things. I was raised on Disney movies, right? I love Disney. And, and if you watch Disney movies, what, do, what are they all about? They, they say, listen, um, the key to having a great relationship is, is to, you know, to come in and sweep the girl off her feet with this grand romantic gesture, right, and do all these big things for her to prove your love to her, and that's what having a great relationship is all about. Um, as I got older, um, some of my sisters, um, they got into this show called The Bachelor, right? And so I, I'm not promoting any of these things. I'm just telling you where our culture is at today, right? And so, but according to that show, in order to have a great relationship, right, you've got to take people on extravagant dates, right? That's the key. And you've got to do all these big, grandiose things to have a great relationship. And the key to a great relationship, according to Disney and The Bachelor, is having some good, yeah, it, I, this is, this is it, is having a great physical relationship, having, going on big dates, and then, and having grandiose displays of your love and affection that are very public and out there for everyone to see, and that's the key to having a great relationship and to proving your love to people. Now, anybody that's been married more than five minutes <laughs> knows that while those things are not inherently bad, that is not the best way to show true love, right? Those things are not bad. You can do those things. But, but going on a great date, um, you know, having, having these public displays of affection and love, those things are okay, but that's not the true way to show somebody that you love them. And that's not what Christ did for us. You see, the, the best kind of love, the kind of love that we should have in all of our relationships can only come from God. It's up on the screen. It's agape love right? That's the best kind of love. That's the love that Christ gave us and that Christ wants us to give to people. John 15, 12 through 14 says this, this is my commandment that you will love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So here's what Christ is telling us. If you want the best relationships at work, if you want the best dating relationships, if you want the best marriage, if you want to have the best relationships with your, with your family, you've got to agape love them. You've got to love them as Christ loved us. And that's the key to having great relationships. It's loving us unconditionally. 
that's how Jesus loved. He loved us unconditionally, which means in spite of all of our flaws, in spite of all the awful and negative things that we have ever done and ever will do, by the way, God loved us anyway. And he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us and take the punishment for all of the things that we have ever done wrong. That's the ultimate form of love. Now, as I was reading this um, and, and growing up in the church, I've had this thought, and it kind of bugged me for a while. I was like, all right, so I'm supposed to love like Jesus loved. And Jesus came, and he died for everyone. And that presented a problem in my mind because I'm like, wait a minute, how am I supposed to love like Jesus? How am I supposed to die for everyone, right? Because there's only one of me, and there's a lot of people on the earth, right? And that presented a problem in my mind. How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do this? If, if greater love me, it, it means that I've got to lay down my life for my friends, right? And I'm supposed to love everyone, even my enemies. How am I supposed to die for my enemies? I don't like being shot at, right? I don't. And, and, and honestly, I feel like I can do more good while I'm alive than I, if, I was, if, I was, if I was dead. So how does that work? Like, how, how does that, how do I, I couldn't make those two things make sense in my mind. Here's the key. Agape love is about loving selflessly. It's, it doesn't mean that you have to die, right? It means that you love selflessly. You love people in a way where you put them above yourself. I love the, the fact that Compassion um, Sunday happened on this day when we we're talking about this kind of love. We didn't do it on purpose, but it fits in well, right? Sponsoring a child that you may never meet, that's a great example of selfless love, right? That's like, you can't get any more selfless than that. It's like, hey, I might never meet this person, and, and I don't know who they are, but I'm going to help them and put their needs above my own and above my own comfort, right? So that's a great way to do that. And then another way for us to love like Jesus loved is, was mentioned in our verse, was forgiveness, right? And, and as I was reading and I was praying, Man, God just gave me this little nugget. He said, listen, forgiveness is really the closest thing that we can come to loving like Jesus in all of our relationships. Because Jesus loved us unconditionally, right? He loved us selflessly. He loves us even though we make so many mistakes and, and we've done so many things wrong. He forgave us anyway. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is even though somebody wrongs you or hurts you or offends you in some way, we forgive them for what they did. And when we do that, all of a sudden, we're loving them like Jesus loved them. Forgiveness is the closest thing that we can come for loving like Jesus, right? Now, I was talking to, I, I have a lot of conversations with my wife, which is probably good, right? Um, and, and so while we were talking about this idea of forgiveness, she, she said something um, uh, that, that was really impactful for me. Um, and, and she said, look, I, so we're supposed to forgive people. I get it. That's awesome. But she said that just because I've forgiven someone doesn't mean that I should let them keep hurting me, right? And then she said, she's like, I've been blessed with this thing called a mind and a brain, and I can't forget everything that everybody has ever done for me, and that makes it really hard for me to forgive people. Especially when there are verses in the Bible that talk about God's love, and it says that, you know, God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west, right? And when, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus, and so he doesn't keep record of wrong. But we're humans, 
And when we see people, we don't see the blood of Christ. We see them as, you know, our relationship with them. So we see them for everything that they've ever done to us and with us, good and bad. And that makes it really hard to forgive people. And then there are crazy statements that are floating around like this. Maybe you've heard it. Um, You should forgive and then forget. Have you guys heard that statement before? Yeah? Well, the heart of it is okay. The heart of it means, hey, listen, when you should forgive somebody and then you should move on from it, right? That's the heart of it. But it's been twisted in our culture to where when somebody says forgive and forget, um, they're usually saying, listen, you should forgive and act like it never even happened, right? When somebody says, listen, you just got to forgive and forget. You should forgive that person and then act like it never happened. Well, that's, that was troubling for me, because that can be very dangerous, and it's impossible, right? So this is a really terrible statement. So from this point on, if anybody ever t- says, oh, just forgive and forget, you just say, no, I, that's, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that, right? And, I, like, I can't do that, and it's dangerous. So you can, like, set them straight and say, like, listen, we shouldn't do that. Why is that? Why, why is it dangerous and important? Because here's the thing. If somebody is hurting you, and if somebody is actively hurting you, God does not want you to just lay down and take it and let them keep hurting you. And to be very clear, like God does, if somebody is hurting you in any way, God's intention is not for you to just let them keep hurting you. That's not what God wants. That's not what forgiveness is, right? And and unfortunately, I've been in the church long enough that I've seen this exact same thing, this exact thing happen. I've seen men who have abused their wives and their children emotionally and physically, and then after they were done and the, the, the situation was over, they've come back to their wives and their children, and they've said, you know what? God says you've got to forgive me for what I did, so there you go. Forgive me. And they use that to enable them and allow them to keep abusing and hurting their, their families for years and years and years. And that is not okay. That is not what God wants. God does not want you to be hurt. And let me tell you, if, if you are in a situation or you know of somebody who is currently being hurt or abused or in a dangerous situation, then I, I just, please come and talk to us um, afterwards. Uh, please reach out to us in some way, um, and then we can connect you guys with resources to help. Because that's not what God wants. That's not what God means when he says forgive. Here's what Here's what he means. Um, I I saw this wonderful quote from a lady named June Hunt. And she said this. She said, listen, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgiving. Uh, Forgetting. The key to forgiving is how the situation, how the person is remembered. Forgiving is remembering without bitterness hatred, or resentment. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means not acting like it didn't happen. Forgiveness is not letting that thing continually be happening to you over and over and over again. Forgiveness means getting out of that situation, getting to a safe place, overcoming it, and then being able to look back on that situation without bitterness, hatred, or resentment. Right? And that is hard. I'm, I'm standing here and I'm telling you that that is hard and that is not easy. 
And sometimes it takes years and years and years for, for things to fully heal and for your heart and your spirit to recover. It takes years for that to happen. But what I am telling you is that there is hope that it can happen. And you might be sitting here and you might be thinking to yourself, how in the world, maybe you've been hurt by somebody and maybe you feel in your heart, you're like, well, there's no way that I can forgive this person for what they did because they hurt me for so long or what they did was so bad or so evil that I cannot begin to forgive them. How can I do that? And even though I love Jesus, like, how can I forgive them? There's only one way. There's only one way to overcome that hatred and that bitterness that you feel, there's only one way. And that's to put on Christ. It's to take off the old self and allow your mind and your heart to be transformed by the love of Jesus. Because when Jesus looks at people, he doesn't see them for what they've done and what, who they are. He sees them for what they can become. When God looks at us, he sees them through the blood of Jesus. And yes, we will never be able to fully forget what somebody did to us. And those scars, they last forever. They do. But what we can do is allow God to begin to transform our hearts and transform our minds. And so we can begin to see that person the way that Christ sees them. And that doesn't mean that we let them back in the way that we did. And that doesn't mean that we allow them to keep hurting us. That means putting up boundaries and, and, and protecting ourselves. But that does mean that there is hope and there is the ability to look at somebody who hurt you. And instead of feeling hate and bitterness and resentment, is seeing them the way that Christ sees them, is not being angry at them. And then the flip side of that is this. That means that if you've ever hurt somebody, if somebody's ever wronged you in any way, that means that you can have, or you've ever wronged somebody in any way. And I'm sitting up here and I've told, I'm telling you, I've hurt people in ways that I'm ashamed of, right? And I've done things that I'm not proud of, but I know that I am covered by the blood of Christ and I have fallen on my knees and I've repented and I've asked for forgiveness and I've taken steps to restore those relationships and do things the way that Christ wanted me to do them. And I know that I'm standing up here forgiven and that forgiveness comes with freedom and I don't have this guilt and shame that I know so many people have. So there are two sides to this, guys. If you know that you've hurt somebody and, and you think, man, there's no way that Christ can ever love me and there's no way that I can ever be loved again, man, that is Satan telling you a lie. You are not looking at yourself the way that Christ is looking at you. Christ has forgiven you. And if you surrender your life to him, he will begin to change you and transform you to be more like him. And then the flip side of that is if you've been hurt in any way, and it doesn't matter how deep or how, how personal that hurt is, that God can take that hurt and begin to transform it into so where you can see that hurt the way that he sees it. That is the good news. That's the gospel, that God's love is big. It's agape. It's unconditional. And we can begin to love people like God loved us. And today, I pray that God will begin to transform your heart and life, and you will put on Christ. You will choose today to take off the old self that is weighing you down, that is burdening you down, that is making you sick. And that you will begin to put on Christ and see how it transforms your heart and see how it transforms your life. And then see how that transformation begins to affect every single relationship you have in your life. It is amazing. 
It is awesome. It is the good news. And so today, that's my invitation. That's the invitation is to take off the old self, put on Christ, see how he can begin to transform every part of your life. He will. And it is amazing. So that's it. That's a choice. It's yours. All right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray and then um, I'm going to be in the back. And if you feel like God is burning your heart to 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 let go of some of that pain, that anger, resentment, then come and talk to me. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, come and talk to us. Put something on a card and or 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 do something like but come and, and allow Christ to transform you. Or if you feel like, man, I'm good. I don't have that. But I just need to start being a little less selfless and a little bit more Christ like. And I need to like pick up a child to sponsor and try to love in that way. Then, man, go. Go in the back and do that as well. Austin and Katie will be back there. But I just want to encourage you, again, take off your old self, put on Christ, and watch and see what happens. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone that is um, in this room, and I just thank you for your word. God, I just thank you that you that you transform us. God, that you're not a God who just sits up in heaven and doesn't have anything to do with us, but God, you come and you transform and you change lives. And I thank you for letting us be a part of that transformation. Father, I pray that there's if there's anyone here that you are speaking to their heart, that you would help them have the boldness and the courage to come and speak with somebody and, and get that right, God. Or that while the, the band is praying, that they would surrender their lives to you and that they would put on that new self and take off the old. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.